We're going to get into the word today, hear what the Lord has to say to us. We have been in a series called Climate Change. This might be the final message of that series. We began talking about how God formed the world with his words. And as he spoke, things came into existence. And we know that the word of God in Isaiah 55, he teaches us that it never returns void to him. So whenever God speaks, things obey. And when the word comes back to him, it comes back fulfilled. Jesus Christ is the word of God. And he came from the father and the word existed at the very beginning. The word formed everything. The word is Jesus Christ. And we know that Jesus Christ was the word made flesh. So the Bible tells us that when the word comes down to the earth, it always accomplishes everything it was sent to do. And then it returns back to heaven, completed and fulfilled. And that's the same pattern that Jesus followed. Jesus was the word. The word came down to earth. The word fulfilled everything the father wanted him to do. And the word returned triumphantly and he was complete. The word has the power to change your lives. The Bible is the most important thing that you possess. If you were to get the Bible into your heart, it is a it is a uh, it, it gives you a great immunity. It gives you an immunity against sin, against ignorance, against the powers of darkness. It gives you an immunity against fear. Praise God. It gives you an immunity against death. It gives you an immunity against hell. It gives you an immunity against, uh, now, now there will be trouble. You will have trouble. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. You will have some afflictions, but when you put that word in your heart, the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers them from them all. So also, when you have the word in your heart, you have deliverance. That is why you need to read your Bible, because this word, world is full of lies, tricks, and deception. And if you don't know God's word, you won't know what you're entitled to. Some of you are broken. Some of you are oppressed. Some of you are sad. Some of you are weary. That's the climate that you're in right now. But what I'm trying to tell you is that if you would allow the word of God to speak over your life and speak over your situation, then your climate would change because God's word never fails. Say this with me. I need, I need the, word the word of God to live. You need him to live. He fixes everything. He's the master. Praise God. He fixes it all. And the way that he fixes it is not with a craftsman, not with a um, steel, not with all of these man-made tools. The way that God fixes things is by his word. When he speaks and when you believe that is the equation to see God's glory revealed and your problems resolved. The climate in Florida right now is probably 70, 80 degrees. Kyle probably knows. All right. It's cold there right now. It's 30. OK. Well, Ecuador. <laughs> the climate of Ecuador is beautiful today. 
Because the closer you get to the equator, the warmer it gets. And I'm trying to tell you that the closer you get to the word of God, the better your life gets, right? So if you want to see a climate change, move your life to where his word is, and you will see your climate change. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for the uh, ability in this country to still gather freely and hear your word and to worship you. God, I am so happy to be with the church, not in this building, but with the church. We are the body of Christ. And the reason we have gathered today is to worship you and to bless you and each other and to be equipped, to be equipped as ministers of the gospel. You don't have to be a pastor to be a minister. We are all reconcilers. We are all carriers of the good news. And it's our job after hearing the word of God to express it because your word says that we are salt and light in this earth. So I thank you, God, that in this moment, your church, the body of Christ, is about to be equipped for their ministry. They're going to be equipped with truth and with power to change not only their lives, but the lives around them. I thank you for your anointing being upon me to deliver this word in power and truth. None of me, all of you. And I thank you for an anointing upon the listeners that they might have open ears to hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Climate change. The title of today's sermon is According to His Word. Everything changes according to his word. Everything in the world is happening according to his word. So although we might not have seen everything he said transpire yet, it will happen because his word never returns void and everything happens according to his word. So we've not been commanded to worry, but simply obey. Then he moves every impossibility out of our way. I've never done that before, you know, make the, the, the title and the subject a poem, but it was kind of fun this morning. So I'm going to say it again because I like things that rhyme. We've not been commanded to worry, but simply obey. Then he moves every impossibility out of our way. That is climate change. I am in an impossible situation that I can't fix by myself. But God said, church, can you say, but God said, God said. Woo! that's the climate change right there. That's the thing that changes everything. I know what it looks like, but I have not been called to live by sight. What I see, we've been called to live by faith and faith changes the climate. So, Lord, I know this is what I see, but you've said this. So according to your word, church, say this with me, according, according to, your word. to your word. See, that empowers the word of God in your life. When you say, Lord, according to your word, I believe this. And then you can quote a scripture over your situation that your faith is standing on. OK, so first thing we're going to look at together. Actually, you're going to work with me today. Um, we're going to read the Lord's climate change forecast we're going to read how the word of God came to earth. And then one day in the synagogue, he stood up to give a weather report, a climate change report to tell what he was here for and what he was about to do in the earth. 
So could you please stand with me for a moment? And the verse is going to be on the screen and we're going to read the weather report, the climate change report that Jesus stood in the synagogue and said. All right, here we go. We're in Luke chapter four, verses 17 through 21. I'm trying to get out of everyone's way. All right, here we go. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Let's praise God for that. You may be seated. So Jesus shows up at the synagogue one day, as he did many times, and he says, give me the scroll. Give me the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Give me the, give me the prophecy of Isaiah that was written many generations before. So the word of God, Jesus Christ, calls for the word of God to be brought forth to him. The word calls for the word. And in that moment, he reads the climate change report for the entire earth for all of humanity from kingdom come. And he tells them this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Can you say good news? Good news. The poor were going to be told some good news and not just the poor in pocket, but the poor in spirit, right? And this is what he says. Praise the Lord. He has sent me, talking about the Father, to proclaim, there's the good news, here's the first climate change. Are you ready? That captives will be released. That's a declaration. He's saying that the climate for the captives is about to change. That everyone that is bound by the devil is about to be released. This is the report of the one that sets us free. Then he says something else. The blind will see. And then he says, the oppressed will be set free. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. So if this man making this announcement is truly the son of God, then after this, we should read many miracles in the Bible where if, 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 if he's telling the truth, we should see the climate change around him. We should see captives released. Did he, did, he, uh, did he release anyone from the bondage of Satan? Did we see him cast out demons anywhere? I think we did. Did we see him open any blind eyes? And guess what? It wasn't just the physical blindness. It was the spiritual blindness as well. Okay. Did he allow any oppressed to be set free? Oh, my goodness. Remember the woman who had the issue of blood and came up behind him and just touched the hem of his garment? She was immediately set free. He must be who he said he was. 
This Jesus must be the son of God. He must be the climate changer. And I love that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I thank God that this Bible verse did not end with, this will stop in 1772, or this will stop in 1984. I think that the word of God lasts forever, right? That it never fails and that it never changes. All right, so let's look at climate change. One of the first things that he changed was the climate of shame. Let's go to John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. If you can remember the first thing that God did for Adam and Eve after they sinned, they were naked and ashamed. So what he did was he said, hey, give me those fig leaves. That's not going to work. Okay, those are going to be stinky in just a couple days. All right. I'm going to give you some clothing. I'm going to cover your nakedness. I'm going to cover your shame. That's what a sinner needs more than anything. They don't need to be they don't need to be told you're going to hell and you this and you that. No, love covers a multitude of sin. Right. So he covered their shame. Let's look at the first miracle reported miracle of Jesus Christ. We're in John chapter two, verses one through eleven. And it says this. The next day there was a wedding celebration. Hey, guess what? We're invited to a wedding as well. We're going to be attending a wedding as well with the Son of God. We are his bride. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus's mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. Can you say shame? shame. That would be a shameful thing that you're at a wedding celebration and you're hosting a wedding and the wine runs out. Oh my goodness, they would have been the talk of the town forever. You people know how you are. I was at Susie's wedding and they ran out of turkey. I was at Susie. We know how we are. That would have been an embarrassment to the family. That would have been shame, right? So let's continue. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they, ha- they have no more wine. Verse four, dear woman, they really dress it up in the New Living tr- uh, Translation. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother, can you say climate change? She knew who Jesus was. She knew his capabilities. She knew his miracle working power. Okay, but his mother told the servant servants do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants fill the jars with water. And these were these were. Dirty jars. This is where you wash your hands, okay? All the germs from travel and all those things, okay? So we know nowadays we're really not going to do that, right? Continuing. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. 
So the servants followed his instructions. So we see two key things here about climate change. Number one, Mary says, whatever he says, do, do it. Okay. And the second thing we see is it says, so the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it come from, though, of course, the servants knew he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed him. One thing that just stood out to me there was that the first shall be last and that the last shall be first. Most people put the the good stuff out first and then comes the worst or the lower level after people have had a lot of it. But I thank God that he allowed us Gentiles to come after what was set up through the law because we were outcasts. We could not even be included in. But I thank God that Jesus was able to engraft us in and include us as his children. So what do we learn here in this passage? Number one, Mary provoked the Lord's compassion. Please learn how to do this. She provoked the Lord's compassion. She knew Jesus cared. She knew Jesus was love. She knew Jesus would cover shame. So she requested, she said, listen, they've run out of wine. This will be shameful. She provoked his compassion, number one. Number two, Mary set the stage for a glorious miracle. She says, I know what he can do, but the others don't. So I've got to go prepare them so that his glory can come. So she runs to the servants and says, listen, whatever he says, do, do it. Why did they have to be preconditioned? Because they would have argued. Why? Because Jesus said, take water out of that pot, fill it up, that dirty pot, take some water out of it and give it to the host. If they had not been preconditioned, they would have argued. They said, no, this is not a good idea. They're out of wine. And that's not even where the wine is, Lord. Don't you know the wine's over there? Okay. they were preconditioned. Church, listen to me. When you come and hear a sermon or when you read your Bible or when you hear the word of God, you're being preconditioned. You're allowing your doubt to be pushed out and your faith to come forward so that you will obey God. And whatever he said, do you'll do it no matter how silly it seems. The next thing after Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing God did was cover their shame. So we know that God does not want us to be ashamed, that he's willing to cover it. Number four, and this is an awesome one. We've got to look at verse 11 again. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. So here's what we learn. Obedience to God's word. Man, this is good. If you take notes, write this down. Or you got the app, my notes are there. 
Obedience to God's word reveals his glory. This side didn't get too excited about that. I'll come over here and tell you guys. Listen, obedience to God's word reveals his glory. You guys ready? Obedience to God's word reveals his glory. I'm going to give you the answer to this question. The answer to the question is obey. You ready? You ready? What do we have to do to see climate change? You got it. Mary knew it. Mary said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Later in the passage, we see the servants did as they were instructed. Then we see the miracle be revealed. Okay, so the last thing I want you to know about this passage is this, that witnesses to climate change grow in faith. When you witness climate change, when you witness God move, when you witness his power, faith grows. Verse 11, this miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. And what? And his disciples believed in him. So when you see the glory of God be revealed in your life, it causes your faith to grow and those around you. You might wonder, why is it that God, if I'm a Christian, why is it that God gives me problems that others can see? How come they see my sickness? How come they know I'm struggling? How come they see me sad? How come they know I'm in a situation? Because when your climate changes, witnesses to the climate change will grow in faith. They knew the marriage was bad. They knew your job was laying off. They knew your car was an in-town car. Maybe you don't know what that is. An in-town car is a car you're not very comfortable putting on the highway. So that's my in-town car, okay? They knew you were driving an in-town car, but somehow you made it to the graduation or the wedding in Columbus, and you made it. And they witnessed it and say, well, praise the Lord. Their faith grew in that moment. So when God does something publicly, don't, 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 don't be worried about who knows about your situation. These spectators will soon become praisers of God because they're going to witness him do something miraculously and out in the open in your life. God also changes the climate of depression and oppression. Let's go to Mark chapter 5. He also changes the climate of depression and oppression. Remember, because we heard what he said. He read the climate change forecast to the world. I, he, he came to proclaim that captives be released, blind see, oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. So you might say, well, what does that proclamation have to do with his first miracle? Favor. Favor. He might not have healed anybody blind there or set anybody free from any kind of captivity, but his favor was there for them at the wedding as well. All right, we're going to see how God gets rid of the climate of depression 
and oppression. Jesus, okay? Jesus, the great climate changer. We're in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 17. And it says this. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of Gerasenes or something like that. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. What was he possessed by? An evil spirit. Verse three. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he was often, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. No one. Verse five. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. So we see uh, in this world that there's people who are oppressed by the enemy and sometimes they will even cut themselves. That's not natural. OK, that's not natural. That is evil. OK, and those people need help beyond sometimes just counseling. They need delivered. All right. Counseling should all counseling should be godly and lead to deliverance. OK, because you can't just you can't just give a person wisdom about their situation. The wisdom that we give them should increase their faith to know that God is the deliverer and can free them from everything in which they are bound. Let's continue. Verse six. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him and bowed low before him with a shriek. He screamed. Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit. Jesus had already said. Can you say climate change? When God speaks, climates change. Situations change. When God speaks, demons tremble. Do we understand this? Oh, For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been church. Can you say had been, had been. climate change had been possessed by the legion of demons? He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. I don't know why I gave him a British accent. It just seemed like he would be dignified after that moment. All right. He was crazy and howling and all this stuff. And now he's got some tea and just dignified. OK, let's keep going. Fully clothed and perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus 
to go away and leave them alone. So what do we need to learn about climate change in this passage? All right. Here's what should stick out first. Verse five says, so they arrived at the other side of the lake. One of the first messages we preached was about how Jesus was asleep on the boat during the storm. And before he left, he said, let's go where? To the other side. So now this is them arriving at the other side. And there's a whole legion of demons over there. Now, does it make sense about the storm that happened on the water being a demonic storm so that Jesus, the deliverer who was coming closer, would not be able to send them off to some far place? Because if the storm had been from God, why would God rebuke it? A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So the storm had to have been demonic in nature because he said, peace, be still. And the wind and the waves obeyed and they were able to go over to the other side. So as soon as he arrives at the other side, we see why a man comes running to him full of a legion of demons. And Jesus spoke to them and told him to let him go. We see something about this man, his condition. The climate of his condition currently was this that there were no physical answers that can restrain him because he was possessed. Listen to me. When you are oppressed and depressed by the devil, there are no physical things you can do to remove that thing. You can't take melatonin. You can't do any. You can't drink tea. You can't get to bed earlier. If it's a spiritual problem, it's going to take a spiritual answer, right? If it's from the devil, then the answer is going to have to be from God. If the devil caused the climate, then we need God to come and turn the climate around. And that's exactly what Jesus was able to do. The thing else, the thing, the other thing that we learned about this is this witnesses to climate change will fear and reverence God. After he did this, the whole town knew about this demon possessed man. Some didn't because they said they told him about him, but they came back and they found Jesus standing there and the man sitting down in his right mind and clothed. And they looked at Jesus and they heard that he cast out demons into the swine and they jumped off the hill and they were afraid of him. And I'm not talking about just sheer terror. I'm talking about sheer reverence. Like, what kind of man is this? Isn't that what isn't that the same fear and reverence that happened on the boat on the way over? He commanded the wind and waves to obey and they obeyed. And then the witnesses were full of fear and reverence. And they said, what manner of man is this? Now he gets to the other side, commands 2,000 or more demons to leave, and they obey. And now the town comes and says, what man, manner of man is this? Listen to me. We need climate change to happen openly. We need the world to see how powerful our God is so that they will fear and reverence him. They're afraid of the virus. They're afraid of the economic collapse. Some are afraid of who the next president is going to be. They're afraid of all these things except the one that controls it all. So he has employed us. 
He has saved us. He has filled us with the same power that he has so that people will be able to openly see us do things in the name of Jesus Christ and they will be witnesses to this power and say, what manner of people are these? We are the Lord's church. We are the body of Christ. That's who we are. We should be on the news every day. Look at all this garbage that's on the news every day. A Christian should be on the news every day doing something miraculous. Walking into James Hopkins Cancer Center and a little boy's dying of cancer. It happens. Laying our hand on a cancer-filled baby and the cancer leave the baby. Where's the news? We, it happens worldwide. God is doing miraculous things. So why don't they tell us that on the news? I'll tell you why. Because it's not the news's job to proclaim the good news. It's yours. It's our job. We are the carriers of the good news. So I pray to God that when we see the opportunity to put the devil on the run, when we see the opportunity to lay hands on the sick, that we take advantage of that because that will cause the faith of others to grow so that God can be glorified. He didn't die on the cross and fill us with the Holy Spirit so you can watch a 6'4 black man every Sunday be loud with you. He didn't die on the cross and give you power so Jim Lewis and our awesome praise team could come up here every Sunday and you just sing songs. That is not why the church was made. The church was made to declare and display the glory of God in this world. We are the body of Christ. Listen to me. This is not a history class. This is power that's available in the present right now. And God wants his people to wake up and start living by faith because there's a world of dying people out there that don't know about the power of God. And it's inside of us. I love you. I love teaching you. Teaching you. I love preaching to you. But baby, this ain't it. This is so that you will be equipped so that when you go out there, the work of the ministry, you've been prepared to do it. You believe it. The whole reason for preaching is so that faith can come by hearing. This is supposed to motivate your faith. And if we love people more than we loved ourselves, the world will look better. I guarantee you that if you take what I'm saying to heart and apply it to your life, your life will be blessed, guaranteed. The word doesn't fail. The problem is we love ourselves, but do we want to see these things happen to others? That's where the church fails. Everybody that comes to church and is obedient and loves God, your climate should have been changed by now. The problem is your neighbor... Your co-workers, your family members, their climate is still hellacious. And we've got the good news and the power of God to do something about it. But we're just content that our house is not like that. We got all saved and dignified and, oh, I'm okay. we're okay. It's not like that at my home. I am blessed and highly favored. I am not sick. I will live and declare the glory of God. But yet people out there are sick and they are dying. So when is our love, when, when, is, whew, when is our climate going to affect somebody else's climate? That's what it's all about. 
Amen. All right. Let's continue. All right. He wants to free us from the climate of toil, the climate of the opposite of rest, the climate of working your fingers to the bone, the climate of trying to solve your own problems and do things your own way. Jesus came to set the captives free, the captives of the curse. The curse was to work. In the garden, there was supposed to be no work. He was just supposed to keep the garden. But after the curse, weeds start growing from the earth. And by the sweat of his brow, the sweat of his brow, all right, he would then have to eat, okay? But Jesus came to reverse the curse, Jesus came so that men would not have to toil always, that they could have rest, that they could simply obey the word of God, and he would allow supernatural provision to come their way. We're in Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, and it says this. One day, can you say one day? One day. Man, this, this gospel message is awesome, because this, this is the gospel happening at the time it happened. So Jesus wakes up. And it's the day for this particular miracle. It's the day for the Father to receive glory. So when I see this, as he said, one day, so at the beginning, when he asked for the scroll, he told them the forecast. But as he began to live his life out, each day the forecast was revealed, and he comes out with the one day. And it's that day in which he does something miraculous, and he proves the reason in which he told us that he came. So Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. The boats were what? Empty. empty. Remember that. Empty boats. Okay. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. So there were fishermen, empty boats, fishermen washing their nets, not cleaning fish, just simply washing their nets. OK, fishermen are supposed to catch fish but these fishermen are just washing their nets. OK, verse three, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, Oh, my goodness. When he had finished speaking, the title of today's message is according to his word. So this tells us that he had preached to them. And as soon as he had finished speaking, something was about to happen because God's word never returns void. So I'm wondering if the sermon, because we don't know what the sermon was about, but I'm wondering if the sermon was about the Lord's provision. I, whew, I wonder if the sermon was about trusting God. I wonder if the sermon was about not leaning to your own understanding. I wonder, I don't know what the sermon was about, but I know the sermon's effect because faith comes by what? Hearing. And Jesus had just got done doing what? Speaking. Okay, so here we go. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go where it is deeper, and let down your nets to catch some fish. Verse 5, Master, you know how your kids talk to you when you ask them to do something they don't really want to do? Master, Simon replied, 
We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, church say according to his word. If you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Verse six. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with the fit with fish and on the verge of sinking. How many boats did we have at the beginning when I said pay attention to what I'm saying? Two. Were they full of anything? They were empty. What were they doing with the nets? They were washing them and cleaning them. They weren't cleaning fish. All right, so we got two empty boats, two empty nets, okay, and fishermen that are tired because they had worked all night. All right, but now, can you say, but God? God preaches to them, just like you're being preached. If you could just get this. God preached to them, just like I'm preaching to you right now. Church, you got any empty boats? Got any empty nets? All right. So the word of God is going forth right now so that you can believe him at his word. And whenever he says, go do that thing, you will remember, "Okay, God, I've tried it my way all night and I've tried my way all day. But according to your word, we will go. And they obeyed him with the one boat. But it was so much fish. They're out there with that one boat. How many boats were at the beginning? They had to call for the other boat. Bring that other boat over here. Bring the net over here. We're sinking. We're so blessed. Say this with me. Lord, help. I'm so blessed. I'm sinking. That's the beauty of the Lord's provision. That not only are you blessed, but you can call somebody else for that has lack and say, hey, I want to be a blessing to you. God's been so good to me that I want to be a blessing to you. Listen, we've got doomsday pantries, but people are dying today. Do you hear what I said? We got doomsday pantries and people are starving to death today. That looks bad on us. That looks very bad. That we won't be moved with compassion. If the love of God dwells in us, then we should be very merciful to those around us. Because he said, take no thought for tomorrow. That he's going to take care of us in tomorrow. So your, your, your canned peaches from 1948, you eat those and give some of those newer ones away. And say, you know what? I trust God. God blessed me with this. He can bless me with some more. I want to find somebody that's hungry and call them over to my boat and say, hey, pull your, pull your car up to my, to my garage. I got something for you. I'm going to trust God, and that's going to bless somebody. Amen? I hope I didn't step on any pantry toes. I'm sorry. There's nothing wrong with preparing and having enough, but I'm talking about just an overabundance. Like, we can't even eat all this, right? Let's be a blessing to somebody. Okay, I got myself in trouble. Let's keep going. All right, verse 8. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell on his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. 
for he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. I want you to look at somebody in this church and tell them this. It's time to fish for people. It is because we're disciple makers, right? That's what he calls us. So it's time. And listen to me. Oh, my goodness. The glory that will be on display as you're a fisherman of people. The power that will be on display as you're a fisherman of people. Because the world needs signs. We don't need signs to believe. The world needs signs and wonders to believe. And you will see them come from your life as you try to catch fish. All right. Verse 11. And as, and as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. So what do we learn in this passage? Number one, have a faith that cancels your resistance to climate change. For, for a moment, Simon said, and it could have stopped here, but faith, but he had just had a deposit of faith. He had just been preached to. But the first thing out of his mouth was, Lord, we fished all night and we didn't catch anything. But remember, he had just had a deposit of faith. So he's able to grab hold of that faith and say, however, at your word or according to your word, we'll do it. Do you think he was glad he did it? Do you think you'll be glad when you do it? So let's obey. All right. The next thing we have to obey without delay. So when God tells you something, will you we have to please stop saying, Lord, was that you? That's fear talking. Let faith respond. We know it's the voice of the Lord. It's just something that we don't want to do. We're in the flesh. We're in fear. Obey without delay. It didn't say two days later, they launched out into the deep and dropped down their nets because you know what would have happened? They would have been cleaning empty nets again. He sent them at the appropriate time according to his word. When is the appropriate time? According to his word. So when God says go, when God says move, that's when you move and then we will see the glory of God released. Finally, the last thing I want you to take away from this passage is something you took away from the last two as well. Witnesses to climate change will fear and reverence God. We see that in verse 9, that he was awestruck, all right? In verse 10, they were amazed, okay? All right, a couple more, and then we're gone. All right, the climate of hopelessness and sickness. I think we really needed this one this morning because there's a lot of sick people around us, and because they say that we are in a pandemic, and I'd rather be under the anointing and covering of the Lord I'm not in a pandemic. I am in health. I am in goodness. I am in mercy. I am in strength. I am not in a pandemic. I am in faith. That's where you need to be found. Now, I'm not saying, like I said, I said it many times before, I'm not, you're not going to see me at St. Rita's using my tongue to open the door, all right? Nothing crazy like that. I know there's germs out there. I know it's real. I'm not stupid, okay? But I am in faith. That doesn't mean I'm not wise. You still got to be wise, but I'm in faith with wisdom. OK. 
All right, we're in verse, uh, we're in chapter John 5, beginning at verse 1. Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for the one of the Jewish holidays. Inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, lay on the porches. Remember his, his climate forecast that we all read together? That he came to set the captives free and open blind eyes, remember? So that's where he was. Oh my goodness, what a revelation. Church, if we are salt and light, how come we're always hanging around salt and light? We need to go where we are needed, right? We need to be out there where they are, where they need salt and light. So Jesus wasn't just hanging around people that were well, because remember what he said? Those who are well, they don't need a physician, right? So let's see. Verse five, one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Church, I pray that you haven't been in a situation that is negative for so long that even when Jesus Christ himself speaks to you by his spirit and asks you if you want the climate to change, that your faith does not respond. Church, please stay in faith. No matter how bad it looks, no matter how how bad it's been, please stay in faith. Verse 7, he says this, I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, are you ready for the climate change? When God speaks, climates change. Situations change. Okay. so Jesus told this paralyzed man, does this make sense? He's telling a paralyzed man this. Stand up, but don't just stand up. Pick up your mat, but just don't pick up your mat and walk. Man, this is Jesus, the Christ speaking. This is God in the flesh speaking of climate change into a paralyzed man. Verse nine. I'm here wondering. I'm just sitting here wondering when the climate change. Does it tell us in verse nine? What word is on the screen? Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So what do we learn here? The Lord's compassion changes climates. Let me ask you a question. Does God love you? So God saw this man and had compassion on him and changed his climate. You just told me that God loves you. Does God see you? Okay, so God loves you and he sees you. So his compassion is going to come for you. And it already has through the word of God. You just got to grab it to change your climate. The next thing is this. It's impossible to change our climates without God. The man said this. Jesus said, would you like to get well? And the man said, and he answered correctly. I can't. Sir, he was very respectful. He was telling the truth. I can't fix this. 38 years like this. Sir, I want to be well, but I can't fix it. Okay. But Jesus told him, stand up, 
pick up your mat and walk. All right. So those of you that have the app, you're able to go and see the next climate change of worry and anxiety in which Jesus tells them, don't worry about tomorrow. And I already kind of hit that with the pantry story. okay? but I'm going to skip that one now and go down to our last one. Jesus is able to change the climate of sin and death. John chapter eight, verses one through 11. And this is our closing. It says this. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, you can just wait a couple minutes. Kim. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gather, gathered and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the very act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Uh Uh-oh. Why did they ask the climate changer that? Why would they ask, what do you say? Why would they ask the one that came to take away the sins of the world? Why would they ask the lover of all humanity a question like that? What the law says, kill her right now. She was caught in sin. But what do you say? They just opened up the gates of heaven for a climate change. They asked the king of glory to say something about a sinner who was caught in the very act of adultery. They used to live by the word that was written on stone, but now the stone has come from heaven. The bread of heaven himself has come, and they're asking him to say something. Why did you do that? But they did. Verse 6 tells us why they did it. They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger the same thing he did to create a man, putting his hand in the dust, right? And man, and guess what? (laughs) He was about to create new men, wasn't he? He's touching the dirt, touching the dust, and that's how he formed the first man. But he was about to make a new man. And we're that new man made in the new image of God. If any man be in Christ, right? If any man be in the word, right? He is a new creation. So he stoops down and begins to write something in the dust with his finger. Verse seven, they kept demanding an answer. So he's down there writing and they're shouting at him. What do you say? What do you say? What do you say? And he simply stands there and just keeps riding in the dirt. So he stood up again and said, they asked for it, right? All right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and began to write in the dust. So they asked him to say something. What do you say? What do you say? What do you say? The climate changer, man, the climate was anger. The climate was religious. The climate was kill her now. That was the climate. 
Imagine her. Her climate is shame. Her climate is worry. Her climate is I need mercy. And the climate changer is there riding in the dust, finally stands and says to them, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. Verse 9. Church, can you say climate change? change. I think this might be our last message about this topic, and I really hope it is sunken in by now. Okay, verse nine. When the accusers heard this, what did they hear? The word of God. What did they hear? God himself speak. The climate changer released a word from his mouth. So just like his father said, let there be light. And there was light. When God speaks, climates change. Okay. When the accusers heard this, so when the word of God hit them, it says this. They slipped away one by one. Can you say climate change? So they're all gathered around. Okay. I'll find a big one. They're all gathered around this woman, ready to stone her and ready to kill her because that's what the law says. How many of you are glad to be free from the law? Praise God. Because the law said she should die right now. But the Lord spoke and said, okay, fine. But those of you without sin, you throw first. And they heard this. And immediately it went from an angry mob to where everyone's shouting and yelling and kill her. She should die. What do you say? To one by one, they laid their stones down and walked away. We went from murder to God's, not murder, but uh, the law, you should die, to God speaking and mercy coming. They all had to show her mercy, didn't they? Every single one of them had to show her mercy. And why? Because they needed mercy. Because they all had sin within them. Church, put your rocks down. Especially against each other. Because we all need mercy. None of us have it all together. We sin every day, but got the nerve to carry rocks around. Put your rocks down and show mercy to each other, okay? So when the accusers heard this, the climate changed because why? They slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest. Why the oldest? Well, an 85-year-old felon has a lot more sin and crimes committed than a 14-year-old juvenile that stole a pack of gum. But it's all sin, right? So from the oldest until the from beginning with the oldest, they all left until only Jesus, whoo, only Jesus was left. Why didn't he walk away? Because he was the sinless one. He was the only one with the authority and power to remove sin. So how did he remove sin that day? He said, you know what? Basically, every single one of you are sinful. So you've got no reason to call for her execution or there could be more that die here today. Right. So everyone was dismissed. Let's finish this. Now you can come, Kim. Thank you. 
Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Where are your accusers? Can you say climate change? Surrounded by accusers. But then God speaks. The climate changes. And then he turns to her and says, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Verse 11. Remember, she's standing there now with just one person. The only one that can cast judgment upon her. The only one that can send her rather to death or to glory. And she says this. No, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Church, this climate change is all about the release of God's glory and power in our lives as we shift from sinfulness to living a holy life through the grace of God. We're moving all of our wicked ways and exchanging them for righteous ones which are found in the Bible. And the Holy Spirit gives us the power to live a holy life. So what happens after the climate change? What happens after you stop being angry and bitter? What happens after you stop being doubtful and wicked? What happens after the climate change and he fixes you? What happens after that? What does he say? The same thing he said to her. Go and sin no more. Amen. Let's stand to our feet and those that I asked to come down to the altar. If you could come now. Climate change. Climate change. The word of God has went forward six or seven weeks or so about climate change. And whether this is your first time hearing about it or your seventh, God is able to do all things. With men, climate change is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Can you say this with me? All things are possible with God. Listen to me. I don't care how long you've been trapped in sin. I don't care how long you've been an alcoholic or how long you've been full of lust. I don't care how long you've been a liar or you've lived in sin. That doesn't matter. Because my Bible says when he said, pick up your mat, stand up and walk, that that man was healed instantly. So if you will use the faith that was deposited in you this morning to touch and agree with us, we're ready to pray for you. Or if you don't need to come down, uh, that's fine. But some of you need, you're going through some things and you just need someone to touch and agree with you. You need to join your faith to someone else's. So that's why I've called these elders of the church to come forward. And this is biblical. If there be any sick among you, call for the elders of the church. And it's not just physical sickness. Sometimes it's mental sickness. Sometimes it's spiritual sickness. So whatever it is, you can come and you can receive prayer. I'm also going to ask those here that don't know Jesus Christ as Savior. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You don't know 
the last time you're going to lay down and not wake up. You don't know the last time you're going to dress yourself. You don't know your last day on this earth. So why would you play with eternity? The Lord loves you and desires that you would be saved and set free from your sin. So if you want to make that decision to follow Jesus Christ today, come down and let one of these pray for you. If you have any sickness at all, I ask that you would come down and allow them to pray for you. Now, I'm going to pray for all of you now. And during this prayer, if you feel the release to come down and get prayer for something, please come. If a demon filled man with 2000 demons has enough sense to run up to Jesus and fall down at his feet, then you too should have enough sense to say, you know what? I'm coming to Jesus. He's the only one that can deliver me. Father, in the the name of Jesus, I pray now that the faith that was deposited in this place would cause miracles to happen. I pray, God, that if anybody in here needs a touch from you, God, that they can lift their hands right where they are and say, Lord, touch me. Or if there are those here this morning, God, that say, you know what? I need an extra help this morning. I need someone who can join me in my faith and pray with me as well. Please come down. Please trust God. He's the one, the only one, who is able to change your climate. Only believe. Only believe. If any of you are dealing with doubt and unbelief right now, I want you to pray this. Just say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Some of you want to come up. Some of you want to be saved, but you're wrestling with some unbelief. So I want you to simply say, Lord, I believe. Please help my unbelief. Pat and Angie, can you come here and pray for this couple, please? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Dawn and Kyle, can you come pray for Amy, please? Thank you, Jesus. You can pray at your seats right now. Something happened in here today. Start praying over your families. Start praying over your health. Start praying over yourselves. Let faith be activated in this place in the name of Jesus. Lord, you are able. You're able to do everything. Nothing is impossible for you. Miracles come now. Salvation come now. Deliverance come now. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. We command you to leave these people now. Let them go in the name of Jesus. Move by your spirit, Lord. Move by your spirit, Lord. If you have pain in your body and you've got enough faith to believe that God can touch it right now, then just pray and watch God heal it right now because faith in this place. Stir up your faith for your own miracle. Simply believe God can do everything he said he can do. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just begin to worship. If you don't need anything from God right now, if, if it's all good, then thank him. Use this time to worship. Use this time to bless God. God, I thank you for how good you are to me. I thank you for your blessings for me, God. I want everybody here engaged with God in some kind of way. Praying, praising, something. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. Engage your God. Engage God. Lift your hands. Do something. Do something to let him know you believe that he's here to do what he said he can do. Thank you, Jesus. If you want to clap, clap. If you want to jump, jump. Do something in God's presence. Do something to bless the Lord. Come on, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Come on. He's the climate changer. Come on. The climate changer is in the building. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, set us free from depression. Lord, set us free from anxiety. Lord, set us free from worry. Lord, set us free from sickness. Set us free from religion. Set us free from our chains, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 He said, too many of us have been saying, I'll wait for the angel to trouble the water. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. When Christ within us has the power of the Lord to bring in the And some of us need to be loosed from the mental understanding that the angel will trouble the water. We need to begin to rise up in our most holy faith and step out into Christ within me is able to say, pick up your mat and walk. Rise up. And I think there are some of us today that need to come down here and have someone agree with the loosing from that mental state of mind.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.